Hello. As ever, we must begin with an annoying legal disclaimer. All views expressed are our own and do not represent the opinions of any employers, organisations or clients for whom we work. Any recommendations or advice given in this podcast may or may not be right for you, depending on your circumstances. So please bear this in mind before taking any action. Charting Tracks is brought to you by Chris O'Gorman, Amir Yacoub and Ben Hennessy-Garside. Chris is a digital marketing strategist and digital manager. He's worked previously for Sony Music and was the head of digital at Capitol Records UK. He currently runs a digital marketing agency and develops music artists, working on brand development and marketing strategy. Amir is a record producer, Grammy Award winning engineer, a co-owner of Bison Productions Recording Studios in East London and the director of Garnish Music Production School in London. Ben, who is me, is a singing coach. Uh, I'm a multi-instrumentalist, composer and producer. Uh, in the past, I've worked in music instrument retail as a record label scout, a live sound engineer, and I'm currently a lecturer at Leeds Conservatoire, teaching voice to popular music students, alongside being a dad and a husband. This is the second episode of Charting Tracks, and is the first of three in which we discuss ways to support people in their progression as music practitioners. Please enjoy. All right. So during the last podcast, um, we we didn't do the best job of all introducing ourselves. Um, we talked a bit about our childhood experiences, but not so much about what we've been doing kind of since then. Um, we'd like to start this this podcast with a little bit of um, um, an outline of uh, what we what we do, what we do now, and what we've done since since we were. Littlies, since we were young'uns. Who wants to kick off? Anyone? Amir or Chris? Let's have Chris kick off. Come on, Chris. Right. Okay, go for it. All right. Yes, yeah, so um, so I do digital marketing um, in the music industry. I've been doing it for coming on to about, mm, I feel like 14 years or something like that now. Um, yeah, so, but, so I kind of started in my career as a music journalist um and blogger and kind of did a lot of that and then um started doing social media content and then got brought in-house to work at sony music where i was work running uh social media and digital marketing campaigns for acts like one direction and little mix uh labyrinth folly murs etc a lot of the um uh, psycho roster of artists um, and then um, after that had it moved over to Universal Music where I was uh, head of digital at Capitol Records uh, and was brought on there to launch um, two new artists one was Sam Smith the other was Five Seconds of Summer as well as doing digital marketing for their some of their global artists as well like Jennifer Lopez um, and then a few developing acts um, and then since then, I um, set up my own consultancy business where I uh, essentially um, provide digital consultancy for developing acts and signed acts for labels and management. Um, so, yes, yeah, so anything that's in the kind of digital realm is kind of digital mar and, and marketing realm is pretty much where I come in. Um, so it's helping artists brand themselves online. Um, planning digital marketing campaigns and digital ad spend and essentially how to break uh, a new artist uh, online. Good times. Good times. Brilliant times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That was good. And you, Amir? Me, I am a, a producer, an engineer, a writer um, as well. After university, when I came out, 
um, I didn't really do anything to do with music apart from on a very independent level. And then I um, managed to work my way into um, the second biggest studio in London. And um, I, yeah, I worked, I started there as a receptionist at nighttime. And uh, then I moved on to um, work in the studios and, uh, and I became an engineer. And after that, it was, uh, well, the rest is history, as they say. Um, you know, in my time, I've been fortunate enough to work with a lot of big acts and A-listers, as you would call them, I guess. And ever since then, I went on to be freelance. Um, you know, I've worked um, pretty damn hard <laughs> in order to build up the studio that I'm in right now. And um, also, I also run a music production school in London as well which has worldwide branches um so apart from that i'm a mentor and generally i you know i've just basically worked too many hours so there you go he also has a grammy <laughs> I, I was gonna say i don't yeah, know why I, he hasn't I, mentioned I, that i, I don't remember you mentioning that amir it's a want... modesty thing <laughs> okay okay let's get this one out of the way then um so yeah, um, for the for the work that I did on Rihanna's unapologetic album as an engineer, um, I won a Grammy for that. So, yeah, nice. Um, so th this leaves me, which um, which is is different. What I'm going to do, I'm I'm awful at this thing. This you know, like saying what I do thing. So, um, <laughs> wh what I will do is I'll just briefly say that um, I'm a, a lecturer on the pop degree at Leeds Conservatoire. Um, I teach mainly. Um, most of my work is working with undergrad students uh, on a one-to-one -one basis. Um, I'm basically a singing coach um, with them. And what I'm going to do, be because I'm just awful at this, is I'm going to read out what my biography says ah. on the Leeds Conservatoire nice. website. Okay, <laughs> nice, so. nice. Ben Hennessy Garside, BA Honours. <laughs> is a multi-instrumentalist, composer and producer. Now specialising in voice, Ben's role at Leeds Conservatoire is as a coach on the popular music pathway, whilst also working privately in both one-to-one -one settings and workshops in his home city of Lancaster and nationally via... It says via Skype, but it's Zoom these days. Mm -hmm. His students include, slash have included, those with exposure on BBC Radio 1, artists with YouTube views in excess of 2 million, signed artists, and semi-professional function singers, other singing teachers and amateurs. He began playing piano at the age of 12, touched on that last time, uh, and before expanding through voice, drums, bass, guitar, composition and technology. He played in and wrote for a number of local bands before attending Leeds Conservatoire in 2003 as an undergraduate, studying for his BA in music production. During his time as a student at uh, Leeds Conservatoire, Ben acted as the Leeds bass scout for Faith and Hope Records, uh, their biggest act. Uh, the small Man uh, Manchester indie, their biggest act was uh, Mint Royale. Uh, I don't oh, know if yeah, I know Mint. Yeah, yeah. Big yep. beat. Yep. Like um, also working in uh, music instrument retail and as a live sound engineer. Um, in 2008, um, Ben was awarded a postgrad cert in education and has worked in music education ever since, delivering a, delivering a wide range of units with topics including performance, composition, arrangement theory, sound recording in the music industry, alongside basic piano tuition and uh, the vocal coaching outlined earlier. So, yeah, that's my attempt. Good buyer. That's I a very see. good buyer. Yeah. Um, so um, let's get on with what we what we had initially planned to do. Um, yep. If that's cool. Um, and so we were thinking 
about talking about our grounding or people's grounding um, in development, right? Um, in progression. Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's an area that people sometimes forget about. I think it's I think it's it's important. And when we were planning this podcast, there was a bit of a a discussion about whether this should go first in advance of the previous one. And we decided to do it do it the other way around in the end, but um it's it's primacy um or or it's it's near near to primacy. It's it's close to needing to be near the beginning because it's kind of it's it sets the way for the rest of what we're going to be talking about. Mm. Um I'd like to um, talk about a few educational uh, tools um, that our listeners might be able to use as they as they progress through this podcast, but also kind of in general in their development. So I'll, I'll probably chuck a few of those in. But um, it also obviously be great to hear what you uh, what what you two have to have to say about that too, because mm -hmm. um, obviously, I mean unless people do make progress in life then then they're not going to really get anywhere right mm -hmm. um, and so looking at the ways in which it's possible to make progress is a thing people often don't do they'll just kind of meander through mm -hmm. without any real consideration for well a, you know a, a whole heap of different things that hopefully we can we can cover today who wants to kick off here well you i think you should ben yeah yeah, man. What do you think, Chris? Do you want to have? Is I think so, I think I think so because um, because I feel like your involvement with these sort of artists when they're at the sort of um, gestation period, you know, you're you're involved right from from the sort of start. But by the time they sort of get to uh, Amir and then later get to me, <laughs> they've already been through sort of so much of this sort of gestation period. And I think you're at probably the earliest part of that. Um, process so I think that it probably makes sense that you can um, shine a light on you know kind of where that starts and how you do sort of set a foundation for these artists and what you know what that looks like okay okay well I shall kick off then so um, I think the, f the first thing I would like to to talk about it's it's really simple little thing it's a little three-step um a little three-step process plan do review now it, in in one sense it's really obvious right in life what we do is we plan we 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 try and look into the future and decide what we're going to do then we do the thing and then we look back on how well we've done the thing right so we plan, we do, and then we review, right? Which is we look back over the thing that we've just done, we evaluate it, and then we plan the next thing. Mm -hmm. Now, it seems really obvious, right? That's how you learn. That's how you develop. You plan, you do, then you review. By the way, you can start anywhere on the cycle. So some people will do, then they'll review, then they'll plan. Other people will review, maybe they'll review other people's work, right? So right. every time we've listened to a piece of music, I'm gone, oh, I want to be able to do that, mm. right? That's great. I want to be able to do that. That's a, a form of review 
followed with the beginnings of a plan, right? I want to do that. That's just the start of a plan. Then we might think, well, okay, so how am I going to go about doing that? So the do that arises as a result of that review then becomes, right, well, I'm going to search on the internet, I'm going to download the music, whatever the action might be, or I'm going to go to the music shop and I'm going to buy the piece of music so I can so I can practice it. So that's the doing, right? We go, we do that, we buy the, buy the piece of music, we review the piece of music, right? Then we plan to practice it, yeah. and then we do the practicing, mm-hmm. right? So it seems really obvious. This, this cycle, you, if it, it, it's, it's so open enough to be able to, pretty much anything that we do in life, we're going to be moving around the cycle. Being aware of the cycle, though, becomes useful to us when we aren't getting something. Mm-hmm. Or maybe maybe mm-hmm. something's not sinking in properly. Maybe we're trying to practice and it, the, it's, it's not sinking quite in. Um, maybe we keep um, bashing up against a bri- some kind of metaphorical brick wall in our lives and we can't, we can't get past it. One of the reasons why we can't make progress might be because this ratio between planning, doing and reviewing is out of whack somehow. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're doing too much planning and too much reviewing and not enough doing. Right. Right. Maybe mm, we're doing too much doing, not yeah, enough yeah. reviewing, yeah. you know, um, and maybe we're doing loads of planning, loads of doing, but not enough, not enough reviewing. Maybe we're doing, you know, so if, if, if there's, if, if one of these three areas is off kilter and mm. depending on what the task is and depending on who you are and depending on where you are in your development and, and your life, the balance between those three things and, oh yeah, depending on the task, depending on, on a whole heap of different things, the balance between those three things might be different each time. It's not like you need to spend a third on each one of those steps every single yeah. time. Yeah. Mm. Mm. But being aware of that and remembering that you're a human being, you're a learner, right? There are steps that you're going to be naturally moving through in the process of your development. And just knowing that and being aware of that. And what I was hoping from, from you two today um on the back of this is is there anything in your life or could you give some examples where you've moved through those three steps and if you can't work out right away Mm. maybe pick pick something that you do in in your work and then we'll we'll see if we can unpick the planning the doing and the reviewing stage yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, every single album campaign that I've done for an artist is essentially starts of those, you know, those core, those three things are sort of core components. So it's, you know, you get the music in from the act once they've sort of done the, and maybe even before then, actually, there's sort of planning phase because you might be looking at where the artist is in their career at that point, what their target demographic is, what audience segment of the sort of music consuming population they, um, uh, their music is going to be most uh, engaged with uh, by, um, and then maybe that informs what producers that they then work with, what you know, what sounds they want to create. Because that normally it can come from two is it normally either comes from the artist and this is what I want to do, or it's a this is the sound that's working right now and this is where your demographic is. So let's get in specific producers and writers and you know try and craft that. So it, it can be either, but. Um, it, like each camp album campaign essentially starts with the planning phase, which mm. is, you know, the audience insight and re, uh, the audience research, the artist research, you know, what age groups, what demographics, um, what platforms the audience is on, 
and then you kind of you're planning your entire sort of marketing campaign you know it's all very very front loaded um and then once you launch you then you you're doing it it's sort of you're off to the races then um and you stick to the strategy and you um, maybe you review as you go but generally the reviewing is done at the end when you're like okay well how many albums did we sell how many albums did we sell in comparison to the previous album uh from this artist how many albums did we sell in comparison to the uh similar you know um the comparison artists you know that we're we're going up against um and so you might be doing your so normally then your kind of review process is is there and it's like well what was the marketing spent versus how much we recouped and the profit made and not just that but then you know what was the because it's you know for a certain stage it might not be just about oh we're trish trying to sell loads of albums this time around it's actually not so much about the sales it's more about how much press coverage did we get how many new followers did we get um on social media how much sort of noise and buzz did we make um but pretty much every album campaign is sort of structured that way there's with the planning phase the execution phase and then the sort of review phase mm. so nice it pretty much every yeah it's it's that's interesting. interesting yeah that it that it fits so neatly yeah yeah i mean it's it's so interesting to um talk about something like this because because i've i i pretty much would have experienced this on a day-to-day basis most of the time with obviously projects that i'm working on um but also actually one thing that really jumped out to me particularly when you said this ben was me thinking of you know the business plans that i've done obviously as the owner of a studio um and as a person who is a business themselves and you know and in various other ventures um a business plan is exactly this so there's the obviously the planning um you know i plan to open a studio make this much money for instance or every month or whatever then there's the doing of actually opening the studio and then the reviewing is actually already written into your business plan you basically review your business plan and you go oh yeah remember when we said we thought we were going to make this much money well are we making that much money or are we not and where are we falling short so that's the one that really jumped up for me when you said that ben but obviously like you know when you are working with any given artist on any given project um any stage really you could be in the recording stage the production mixing phase or you know wherever you are you know there's always a plan because that's you know you know that's the the artistic vision so it might be like i want to make a song which is like this other song and it kind of incorporates elements of another song and so on and so forth. The doing part of it is obviously gathering everything, putting your parts down, recording vocals, all of that kind of stuff. And funnily enough, if you are going through the phases of, you know, making a record, in a way, when you sit down to mix a record, that's when you are reviewing. Obviously, you do a bit of planning before that phase. And there's a lot of doing when you're actually doing the mixing but you are reviewing everything else that was done and you're actually kind of going, well, this part doesn't work that well anymore. Let's get rid of it because it's not contributing to the song. And in a way, your mix can be seen as a little mini review. 
And obviously, when you go to the mastering phase, that's a that's another review. So it's kind of yeah. like sonically, have we hit everything that we wanted to, that mm -hmm. we set out to do? No, we haven't. Maybe I'll have had a boost here on an EQ or make that vocal sound less harsh or whatever it might be that we're trying to do, you know? And in a way, you know, there's in every stage in and of itself there's some planning doing reviewing going on some of the stages can be counted just as reviews themselves so if you sat down for instance with a guitar and your vocals and you wrote a song um, maybe when you took it to a producer they're gonna review your song and go you know what that chorus section doesn't work as well as you think it does so what i'm going to do is i'm going to suggest you look for a new chorus or maybe we edit out some of these lyrics or whatever it might be so there's a lot of planning doing and reviewing in practically every single day um and obviously i might be stating the obvious here but every day at the beginning of the day or at the end of the previous day there's mm. planning, doing, reviewing going on um, day to day, for, particularly for me and for you guys as well. You're going to sit down and you're going to go, well, look, I've got to produce this song. I've got to finish, you know, the vocal production on this song. And I've got to do a master on this song. And what am I going to do tomorrow? Mm. And you've got to plan that. And then tomorrow you've got to do it. And obviously at the end of the day, you've got to review what you've done, what's outstanding, what you need to do tomorrow. And so there's a good few levels that it works on. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you've um, both given some really nice examples of almost kind of like um, way, the way it happens might happen on like a macro level, right? So mm. with, say with your with your marketing campaign, Chris, it's like you, you, you get the marketing plan down, then you run the plan, then you review the plan at the end. But this is all happening over quite a large period yeah. of time, right? But the other th great thing about it is there are different kind of time spans within which it can work. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of an example in the studio, Amir, right? So maybe you're recording, I don't know, you're, you're recording a vocal, right? Yep. And um, the doing is the setting up of the mic stand. Yeah. But then you find that once the, uh, once and, and you're and choosing the mic, but then you you find that when, when the... Um, singer stands at the mic sings into the mic you then need to review that is yep. it the right mic is yeah. it in the right position absolutely Are you recording it in the right place yeah um and so very quickly you can run around the cycle too in in quite a narrow frame and the, the place it really um comes into its own for for me is is practice yeah right mm -hmm. Any any work that you're any time you're you're trying to practice. So I mean, obviously, most of my work these days is um, with singers. So having a, a a consideration for the review of of the practice process itself, and I'm not talking about hours and hours and hours ruminating on on the oh how how do I improve my how do I improve my practice, but just as you're as you're practicing, a little run through at the end, maybe the final five minutes or you know how could this have been better how could i how could i improve that for next time mm. and that there's all sorts of things that about practice that might make a difference um and so th this is the this is the other thing as well that i wanted to talk about was how how do we improve each of those stages so especially the review stage there are a number of ways that we can set life up set our situations up so that they can really help us with with reviewing yeah definitely so like and a really obvious one is just making recordings mm, mm. right 
So say you're in a band, you you have a, you know, maybe you're practicing three or four times a week, right? Make a recording of every rehearsal. Mm. Set aside a bit of time to listen back to maybe one of those each week and review it, right? Is anybody in that room wasting time all the time, right? You know how in bands you get the noodlers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, who is that person? Maybe they don't even realise they're doing it, but if you've got a recording, you can support them to review their own their own process as a musician, right? So those noodlers are doing themselves nor anybody else any good by noodling in their practices, right? So finding ways, well, how can I review? Uh, the other one is, um, and I think we've, we've touched on this, or you've just touched on it before, Amir, is like... Um, engaging um, outside support, mm. yeah? So the producer in, in the pre-production process and during the, and during the session as well, they're, they're a reviewer, right? Their role is, is this, the, is this going well? Right, we need to plan, we need to change this, yeah? So engaging outside agents and your role as well, Chris, yeah? Mm. It's what, as a consultant, it's your job to review. That's kind of what yeah. your job is, right? When you're consulting, when you're doing that part of your job, it's like, that's what it is. Using other people, using technology, um, and also giving yourself the time. That's another thing that people don't do. It's that they, they don't, they don't even give themselves just a few minutes mm. to run over their, their development. Yeah. You know, you were talking like planning the following the next day and all that, Amir. Yeah. What tools do you use for that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so if we're just talking about reviewing mm. and planning, I guess. Yeah. So I have a a weekly review. And this is just mm. me being at home on a Sunday night, probably like eating some ice cream or chocolate bar or something like mm-hmm. that, naughty. But that's my reward for doing the review. Um, I have a weekly review, monthly review, um, two things that I do. And I do have a a daily review, but that's really just, you know, looking over a checklist that I've made, um, seeing how much I've ticked off. And if I haven't ticked in, enough off, it moves to the next day. My tool of choice is an app called Todoist. It's basically a to-do list. Um, with some extra features like, you know, you can link it to your emails. And if there's an important email, instead of leaving that in my inbox, I'll switch it over to to Todoist. And, and, you know, I will just click, I'll look over and I'll go, oh, yeah, I have to reply to that very urgent email, for instance. I'll click on the app and it will go straight back into my emails and I can reply straight away instead of clogging up my inbox. That's my number one tool. My number two tool for overall kind of like, you know, more of the uh, bigger stuff, the macro stuff is a tool called Notion. It's what I call my second brain. Um, It's my operating system for life. (laughs) And that looks at the bigger stuff. So that's like um, looking more so at goals and achievements and timelines and, you know, mapping out projects and all of that kind of stuff. To do is deals with micro and to a certain degree, you know, weekly reviews as well. But um, also in my weekly reviews, I'll look at, you know, things like Notion, how on track am I on um, a project um, or because I'm working on many at a time um, and I might be working with, you know, 
two, three, four people on a close level. And I want to make sure that I'm hitting my personal targets in delivering stuff for them. So, you know, for instance, today, I'm just looking at it on the screen now and I can see that I've got some stems to send off to a guitarist for a project I'm working on. And that will be something that I'll be doing daily, really. Um, so that's to doist. Um, but overall, I'll be looking at, for this artist, I've got to have three songs ready for release in October. Uh, how close am I to that? Um, and you might see this often if we're talking much more creatively. Um, I'm sure you guys have both seen this actually at some point. There'll be a whiteboard um, with, you know, all of the names of all of the songs and what stage they're at. Mm -hmm. So, you know, are they written? Are they edited? Um, have they been mixed? Are the vocals in? Blah, 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 blah. And then obviously, naturally, that's where we would hand off to other people. Our job on the studio side might be done. So, you know, my top two tools are definitely Todoist and Notion. So, yeah, there you go. And a whiteboard. And, and a whiteboard. <laughs> um, they, I do like, you know, analog right. sometimes. It's um, great, isn't it, sometimes? Just write it down like, like yeah. an actual old school pen and yeah. paper. <laughs> I do actually carry um, a tiny notebook with me everywhere I go, just because sometimes if I'm on a train or something like that, I'm, I might just want to write something down. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, you can get some sucked into technology particularly, oh, yeah. because what happens is you're going to do your to-do is and an Instagram notification comes mm -hmm. up and then yeah. you're distracted by that. Uh, or someone emails you or whatever, Definitely technology is great. Something like um, Todoist or Notion. Uh, they're not paying me to say this, by the way, but you know, if they want to give me free subscriptions, I'm, I'm happy to receive. But analog is great sometimes and sometimes there's really nothing like pen and paper. Um, so yeah, I, that's kind of how they fit into my life and how I do things with them. The, the way you as an individual practitioner choose to, to handle this stuff, I think needs to be yours because we're, we're all different, you know, and it's it's possible to do this in, like entirely analog if you want. It's probably going to mean carrying like books and, you know, journals and stuff around. But if that's, if that's how you want to do it, then do it, you know. And I mean, um, even, you know, just one last thing to say is even, um, even if you're, doing like stuff the analog way there's different productivity systems and all of that that people might follow one of the most famous ones that i try and follow albeit quite loosely um is a productivity system by i think his name's david allen um it's it's called getting things done gtd yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so you yeah, guys know about that. that yeah and you know yeah. in I'd say 70, 80% of that is kind of what I try and follow um, because I have the typical kind of, I've got a million things on my brain. I just need to dump them somewhere, you know? Mm -hmm. However you choose to do it is probably just, you know, it takes a bit of working out. Um, but one thing I probably couldn't live without is uh, my electronic calendar. Um, and going back to what you said, Ben, it's, you know, just to wrap that point up on my side, when it comes to reviewing, the good thing about an electronic calendar or any calendar, but particularly electronic ones, they're very easy to see, um, is that you can easily obviously plan, um, but you can easily review stuff as well. So you can go, actually, yeah, we've been in the studio for five days uh, across, you know, 10 weeks and 
and all we've got is a half a song. It's mm. that's never happened, by the way. Um, but you know, <laughs> but you you know, it allows you to go. You know what? This is working with this person is a waste of time. <laughs> I mean, if it needs to be, it, you know. <laughs> It's a review, isn't it? <laughs> a bad review, but you know, it's a review nonetheless. So yeah, yeah. or something about that creative process is not working for them. Or oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you <laughs> know, maybe because some people maybe need to come to the studio with a finished, fully formed, finished thing, and some people love the energy being in the studio. And that's where the, it's just people work differently, don't they? I suppose that's right. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Some people like to, you know spend loads of time in the studio mm. and just vibe and see what comes out and other people are like i've got this song i want it finished yeah. by you know three days and let's and go i'm not even going to step foot into the studio until it's written and and i pr pretty much have the bones of it completely there and exactly yeah exactly but again it's just people it's interesting what you're saying about you know <laughs> like the analog uh way of doing things as well because it might sound counterintuitive from like a digital marketing person to say it but normally at the start of any campaign when we're sitting down for the artists, not not just the artists, something with the artist management as well, you know, when we and, and the rest of the the broader team, one of the first things to do actually is just an analog kind of uh, idea session where it's like because there's you know there's so much digital um, uh, distraction. Yeah. You know, as soon as you obviously we'll kind of start off and have all of our stats and say this is where the artist currently is and this is where we want them to be. But then it's like, right, shut everything off. And now we're going to just do an idea session because it gets like the brain working in a completely different way. And it's a lot of, it ends up a boardroom filled with note, post-it notes on the on the walls. Um, but, it, you know, it, it's, it's funny that actually a lot of the times I notice with artists as well, as soon as you start doing that, it does seem to get a different part of the brain working and it can often be a helpful thing to do just to jog jog ideas really um in terms of like tools and stuff i think i use you know similar things to to what amir mentioned but i think more more than like tools it's probably like a methodology and for me it's like the methodology i always come back to is like a similar thing to what you mentioned but it's like the ost method which is just objective strategy tactics and it's it's really simple top line it's like you know but it's something that can easily get missed the amount of times i sit down with an artist and they haven't really thought about it in this way and it's like the objective well what, actually what are you trying to achieve what do you mm. want out of this mm -hmm. and then the strategy is the broad plan of how you're going to do that and then the tactics are the individual specific things you can do so if you're like your objective is oh i want to have a, a, a top 10 single okay well then your strategy is well i'm gonna harness my existing fan base i'm gonna uh, broaden out to current fans uh to, sorry to new fans uh beyond my fan base i'm going to take advantage of whatever the i'm going to produce something that's in the sound that's filling the charts at the moment that's sort of the top level strategy and then your sort of more granular tactics of like you know what social platforms i'm going to be on what advertising formats i'm going to use what budgets i'm going to use um you know what blogs are we going to target? What publications? What radio stations? Is it going to be specialist radio? Is it going to be, you know, is it going to be special publications? Is it going to be more mainstream depending on what you're going after? So it's like that methodology always for me is kind of what I sort of tend to run everything through because it's amazing how often, you, and I think this is one of the things that happens with a lot of art, artists is when they sort of set off into the world, they're like, I just want to see where this is going, mm. which is fine and it's great as long as you know that. But I think a lot of the times artists seem to get frustrated is, they're not setting out with a understanding of what they want to achieve. And so what ends up happening is they end up getting frustrated 
and they're not really sure why they're frustrated. And it's like, well, actually, I wanted to be here at this point. It's like, okay, well, that's great to acknowledge that in the first instance, because if you were, even if that objective is maybe not realistic, it's like, okay, well, aim for that, you know, shoot the stars, land on the moon, great. But if you don't know what you're trying to achieve, how do you know what success looks like? And how, how do you review? How do you measure? Yeah, definitely. You're just going with the flow and seeing what happens. Now, if you're an artist that says, actually, I want to just see where this goes, that's fine too. And that might be, you know, you just want to see what happens. That's great. But then know that you're doing that and be conscious and, you know, uh, be cognizant of the fact that that's what you're doing um, so that you don't have the same sort of pressures. Because what normally happens is like I start feeling like I feel like I'm not breaking through. I feel like it's not working. And it's like, OK, then that that and it's most of the time it's because you haven't done the you haven't taken a step back and set your objective at the very start. Mm. Um, and then you get artists that are kind of realistic and they're, they're like, have a much more pragmatic approach. And they're like, okay, my objective right now is I just want to get on a good support slot with a, you know, a, an artist or band that's in my kind of um, genre. And so in, you know, that has a, a similar time de target demographic to me. That's what I want to do right now. And then everything, you know, and then each time you build up a level and build up a level and build up a level. And normally it's like, there might be, your overarching career aspiration so an objective strategy and tactics for for the artist's career like the long term the next 10 20 years and then within that there's a separate objective strategy tactics for each phase mm. so it might be an objective strategy tactics for the next six months and what that looks like and then and so on um so it's kind of like a bit of a tri you know a sort of career strategy there and then underneath the individual campaigns of how to build to that um, yeah. but everything for me i always run through that objective strategy tactics model that's really brilliant and um one thing one thing to say um just to pick up on what you said there as well is that these timelines are very important i think personally thinking about timelines is one of the best things that you can do in your career actually regardless of what you want to do even if you want to be an artist manager um, think about timelines um, as an artist manager what do you want what do you want to achieve in six months from now one year mm. two years five years you know 10 years yeah. yeah and I've never heard of that that tactic or strategy OST before yeah methodology yeah. is what you'd call it I guess um, but it's very interesting one I'm going to look into that myself actually it's it's, <laughs> it's really helped stru structure things I think and when you and it's very top line. It's not like, you know, people hear strategy and go, oh, that sounds really... Strategy is just literally a top line view of how are we going to try and achieve yeah. the objective. Yeah, you know? definitely. It's are really where you drill into the detail. Yep. Mm. Yep. What about you, Ben? What have you got? Um, so, yeah, um, that, that getting things done um, process, David Allen's. Um, there's how to be a productivity ninja as well. Um, there's some really good stuff, really good stuff in there. I've found the um, journaling journaling works. I mean, just one thing. I think I I have a like a, a fairly young family, mm. and that just annihilates <laughs> a lot of this stuff. You know, you you'll you'll find that if we take this um, plan do review model, you'll find that you'll plan to do a thing and then you can't do the thing because there's some emergency maybe one of the children's pooed themselves or <laughs> you know or you've got to go and pick them up from nursery because they've thrown up yeah. and so you're midway through trying to do the thing that you planned and then you can't do it and so then you then then you're trying to review and you're constantly trying to uh 
reevaluate what's actually achievable. And I think this is an important important thing to point to. And I think you touched on it a little bit, bit Chris, with the, you know, sometimes you've got artists that just have, have kind of uh, maybe just just got. Um, got goals and, and achievements that mm. aren't necessarily so so stratospheric as you mm. know winning a winning a grammy or yep. you know or or whatever and um and so there is something about that it's about being really honest with yourself being really um aware of of your capabilities um being really aware of what you can do and the time in which you can do it and it's also really important that you set yourself, if, if you're planning, that you you try your best to try and plan for things that are actually achievable. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Because this is the this is the other thing that uh, you know. I mean, one surefire way of failing is not planning for anything, like you say, Chris. Mm. Um, another another way of failing is just setting yourself ridiculous targets. Mm, it's, right. it's better that, in my opinion, right? It's better that you set yourself like a really easy kind of almost you know, pithy, pointless task and then achieve it because then you're going to bank a little bit of self-respect. And get the boost from that, yeah. Mm. It's, it's far better that you do that mm. than you set yourself some stratospheric goal that's impossible for you to reach. Yeah. Um, and then, and then again, it depends on, on kind of knowing yourself, right? Um, as we progress through uh, this podcast series, we're going to be talking a lot about about quote unquote the self mm. right in, in a number of different different ways but this 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 is a one way in which knowing yourself is is really quite important if if you kind of if you brush off uh failure fairly well yeah right yeah Absolutely. like fine yeah but if um if failure really really cuts deep just be wary about I mean, you know, you, if you want to be successful, you need to work with you. You need to work with what you've got, right? It's like mm. we don't get, we don't always get to choose yeah. where 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 we're at. You know, we don't get to choose the body that we're in. We don't get to choose the background and our, our bringing that we've had. We don't get to choose um, the brain that we've got. We don't get to choose our natural proclivities. There's a whole heap of things that we don't have control over, and so it's it's um, knowing knowing what's reasonable and what's not and set yourself achievable goals so you're not so you're not disheartened yeah because that can really that can really kill progression like really we're can. talking about progression yeah, today if, if 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 you're setting yourself something that's unreasonable yeah that's absolutely know. right and we're like and, and for a lot of us when i sit down with them at the very sort of start of you know when they're kind of in their career sort of planning mode uh, career planning phase it's about saying to, you know look it's going to take three, possibly even four years to break a new artist. You know, it can happen quicker than that, probably with the use of a reality TV show mm. <laughs> uh, or some other met some some other kind of launch pad like that, or a great tour. You know, but generally speaking, to break a new artist is like the I'd say the minimum you can do it in is probably two years, mm. and. A lot of the times it's like, what? And it's like, yeah, of course, because you've got to spend time building your fan base. You've got to spend time introducing yourself to the, to your, you know, your audience, to tastemakers, to, and then gradually building out and building out to like the more wider music uh, consuming world. And I think that's the thing. And, and if an artist understands, okay, these are the milestones that I'm trying to hit, you know, um, rather than like, oh, I have to, I have to summit Mount Everest. Well, you don't just go, I'm going to summit Mount Everest. You go, 
you you know you do the training and you have to do you have to go through the hard yards first and you have to set yourself the milestones and the first milestone is get to base camp you know mm. uh it's probably milestones before that actually uh, getting to base camp is probably a pretty uh, pretty um far along the process one and then there's getting up to camp one camp two and each time you're building up and that's how most pretty much every um successful campaign successful artist uh that i've ever worked on has gone through that i think ones there are there are exceptions to that but it's normally when the artist has been thrust into a huge launch pad and it normally is something like the x factor or britain's got talent where you've got the heat you've got the eyes of you know the whole country and sometimes the eyes of the world as well because you've got this huge exposure from that media uh media opportunity so then you have to just move fast and then it's like you're at the races already but that's a very different way to doing it if you're and because i've done both i've done artists that came through the sort of x factor process or i've got ones that were you know starting from scratch really you know having them out on the road playing you know industry showcases and sort of tastemaker gigs and support slots and stuff so you know i think if, if you're an artist if you're somebody like madonna who kind of had it fairly thick skin and could kind of be like this is what i want to do i want to be at the top of this game and it was like water off ducks back at all the criticism she was just like tunnel vision mm. then that can work but you really have to be like honest with yourself am i the kind of artist that can that can take that or am i the kind of artist that can be like this is what i want to achieve the next six months this is what i want to achieve within the next year within the next couple of you know and if you can set those sort of miles it's about it's about just having a realistic trajectory and it's i I think people hear realistic and think oh that means you don't have self-belief or you know because you have to have a lot of self-belief to want to do this and and maybe even a little bit of delusion (laughs) delusion can actually be an asset sometimes in this but but what you have to do is understand that having a realistic approach isn't necessarily um not having belief it's about that there is a time process there is an amount of time that it takes to build the foundations for an artist's career and it's very hard to circumvent that it's very hard to to sort of skip that mm. even the most talented artists in the world you can't really skip those processes like i said pretty much the only way that you can is if they've had some huge media exposure where there's a sort of a audience there already ready and waiting or maybe they've kind of somehow become like a big star online and they've got this sort of ready-made audience and you're off to the races already a little bit earlier. Generally speaking, you can't skip those steps and that's not a bad thing. It's not a failure. It's not a, um, it's not a negative. It's, you know, it's, and it's something that actually, when, when I've charted out for artists what the next few years look like, they're like, ah, okay, got it. I'm, I'm in this for the long haul. I really want this. So this makes sense to me and I... Um, and it actually helps them it's like they they feel less frustrated they feel like they're progressing and they're getting to where they want to be so on on the whole i think it 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 helps them yeah two two things stick out for me um one is um one is how do you get to achieve your goals and and what what it comes down to is coming back to the ost method a little bit as well chris you know, let's say um, I I think Chris one time when we played tennis I spoke to you about this because we both love sports, mm. psychology yeah. and you know, one of the examples that I spoke to you about was someone who wanted to be an Olympic swimmer, mm. and this guy didn't say I want to win gold at the Olympics. He said I want to be an Olympic swimmer, 
uh, right? And so he was already a decent swimmer, but he wasn't an Olympic swimmer. And I remember watching this TV documentary like when I was like 15 or something like that. And the guy said, I went to the coach and the coach sat me down and he went, look, you're not an Olympic swimmer right now. But if we can just shave one second off your yeah. time every month for the next 16 months or something, you will be an Olympic swimmer. And, yeah. you know, it's just so weird to think that one second, all we need to do is get back by one second every single month and I can qualify for the Olympics. Yeah. And I think he did go on to win maybe a bronze or something in in, in one of the Olympics, um, you know, whatever stroke he was yeah. doing. But that is realistic and that's taking a massive thing of I want to be an Olympic swimmer and breaking it down into the most bite-sized chunk ever and something that's realistic and achievable yeah. and if you put the hard work in and everything. And that was that was really what stuck out to me. Yeah from what you said but particularly hanging on to that word realistic and also you know what is your goal yeah but that thing it's like those marginal gains isn't yeah. it and that's kind of you know i think serena williams talks about this as well oh yeah um, we love serena when it's like actually if i can just get my first serve percentage up a little bit that's going to make the difference between me winning by a narrow margin and winning by a much bigger margin so well, this is it yeah this that, is absolutely so her, her it. big ultimate goal is she wants to break um, Margaret Court's record of 24 yeah, Grand yeah. Slams, whatever it is, I don't know. But it's like, that's the end goal, though that's the big, big goal. But then there's individual goals in, in that. Okay, have a higher first serve percentage, have my movement better on the court, um, you know, vary my shots more. It's like you break it down into those little granular tactics yep. and those tiny little mar incremental gains those marginal gains yeah 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 for sure all add up yeah that's what it comes and, down to yeah. you know there's there's books that you know both i've had conversations with chris and we've both read them um at least things like atomic habits mm -hmm. um things like uh the compound effect a book called the slight edge all of these books are just based around actually guess what if you start today and, you know, you expect to be number one worldwide or win a Grammy or whatever your lofty goal is by tomorrow, it's not going to bloody happen. Yeah. It happens in tiny yeah. incremental stages as you go along. Uh, but that's where, um, actually, if you chart how today's biggest artists got to where they are, it's not necessarily that they had that kind of quick leap to fame yeah. and that was it. And then they've managed to maintain that consistently. Um, most of it was like a very slow build yeah. um, and a build which they've done over the years. And those years might be 10, they might be 20, They to be considered anything like a legend in the game of music, you probably have to have put in a good 20, 25 years yeah. um, of actually consistently putting out great music and performing great shows. Mm -hmm. And all of that kind every, of stuff. Every overnight success is years in the making. Well, that's, that's the sort of... <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> that's it. Yes. Um, yeah, because what, what we're talking here is, um, it's about motivation, isn't it? Really. It's about maintaining it's maintaining motivation and, and mm -hmm. acknowledging um, that you're a psychological entity and, and, wor and working out exactly 
who you are and, and which steps need to be achieved in order to keep that kind of upwards and forward motion and momentum. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about different types of motivation um, as well, actually. Um, so um, have, have you heard of, or you, you probably will have, um, the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic motivators? Yep, I have. I um, actually haven't. Mm. Okay, cool. Okay, so an intrinsic motiv- motivator is something that comes from inside. So you mm. feel like you want to do the thing, so mm. you go and then you go and do the thing, right? The vast majority of things ought to be, you know, if we were living in a perfect world, a result of intrinsic motivation in people, mm. Mm. right? Whereas extrinsic motivators, right, which can include money sometimes, mm. yeah, um, but it's, it's any form of kind of carrot, right? Or, or the threat of a stick. Uh, another way of talking about it is that there's an if-then reward, right? So for, for Amir, every time he rewards himself to do this two-hour two two-hour review, or however long it is he spends on his weekly reviews, that's like, that's like an, extrin- an external motivator, mm-hmm. yeah? If you want to be doing things creatively and if you want to be in a kind of playful state and you want to be able to find your way into kind of something similar to a flow state, right? Which is where lots of artists want to be when they're making their music. You're better removing all extrinsic motivators, right? This this thing about... And, and I'm, I'm talking here about a lot of work done by um, a guy called Dan Pink. Um, so, yeah, if you, if you want to Google search, you know, Google for Dan Pink and motivation... You can actually ruin things by applying mm. extrinsic motivators to things that are already intrinsically valuable to someone. Right. Right? Yeah. This thing about the first album always mm. being the best. Mm. Yeah. And the second album always being crap. Yeah. I think this is a key key part. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because the first album, this was when they wanted it. Right, the band wanted this, or the group, or the artist, the individual. They wanted that success, and they've probably been on that on that trajectory as we've talked about for years, right? Yeah. And they've been driving it, and they haven't been making any money. They, mm. There's no no sniff of a Grammy award, <laughs> you know. Maybe maybe they've been after a uh, maybe they've been after a deal or something. But a lot of those songs will probably have been written before they even before they even understood the industry well enough to yeah. want to um, to to want to go and find a deal, right? Yeah, not knowing um, if anyone would ever even hear them. Right. And so I think once the pressure's on and there's an expectation and then there's a label or just the industry in general kind of dangling money yeah. in front of them, you know, quite often the first deal for artists is a bit crap anyway, right? Yeah. So <laughs> so that's the other yeah. thing too, right? So in a kind of weird, twisted way, by taking all the money off the table, the results can end up being better because money is an if-then reward. It's a carrot. It's the expectation so, as well. It's the the fans are expecting this now. The industry is expecting this now. The critics are expecting this now. And then, uh, yeah, then you're thinking about things that you weren't thinking about. Exactly, because they're all extrinsic yeah. factors, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Sure. And I, I wanted to link this idea to one that you laid out earlier, Chris, when you were talking about the, like, the analog process mm. and like getting post-it notes out and sticking mm. them, being quite physically animated yeah. in a space. I'm guessing, you didn't say as much, but I'm guessing that you'll find that the results from those sessions 
where people are kind of on their feet, writing yeah. stuff out. There's a buzz in the room. There's a sense yeah. of people maybe or maybe having a bit of fun, God forbid, yeah. in a planning meeting, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where yeah. you're having a bit of fun and you're intrinsically kind of like engaged in the process, the results are, I'm assuming, are going to be a little bit better. There's going to be more creative mm. thinking. There's going to be... Um, there's going to be more ideas. There's going to be likely, and as a result, better ideas yep. around. Um, it's where the best ideas came from, actually. Like the ideas, like to do the um, Sam Smith uh, Google Play Live, which was basically like the the first um, live streamed TV advert, which is basically live streamed from Sam's gig at the Roundhouse in London. Basically, mm. that came mm-hmm. from a, a, an idea session that was like, yeah. No laptops, no phones, everyone <laughs> in yeah, the drawer. it's like you're having fun and again, like you're a kid. Fun. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And that's where those, and uh, loads of other ideas like that. Superhero campaign we did for Five Seconds of Summer as well, actually, um, which sounds ridiculous, like, but it, it came from a similar session like that, just an idea session with, with the artist and with the team and, like, no prejudgment, no kind of, like, no bad ideas, just mm. what would the fans think is fun and you know and that that's often where those 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 best ideas come out from rather than if you're sat there and it sounds completely counterintuitive you're like we're planning a digital campaign but we're going to have no (laughs) no laptops or phones in the room but actually nine times out of ten it's 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 been where the best ideas have come from yeah and i and i think a lot of this is trying to recreate the conditions that Mm. were with us when we were children yeah right that thing about just have fun and then you yeah. then you learn and you create and, and trying to feed some fun into whatever it is that you're doing like make it enjoyable you yeah. know so however you can um create that um that the playfulness just feed it in especially if it's, if it's anything if it's anything in any way creative right mm. if you're not feeling that fire from inside then and, and, and you're kind of relying on like a a paycheck or a nice cake or you know you if you're always waiting for that thing at the end so um it depends on the function of of whatever it is that you're doing right so i mean i'm 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 intrigued by this um your your weekly review right does it feel like a bit of a chore to you i got the impression that it's kind of like this is kind of that's why you need those little rewards am i right or or not yeah you're right absolutely and that's the thing about you know it's so funny that what we just touch upon is you know let's make things fun and all of that kind of stuff um but the thing is actually in the most part you look at things like um planning doing reviewing setting goals all of that kind of stuff and it's actually quite boring right so there's no real fun in me sitting down on a sunday night um you know going oh god um it's coming up to nine o'clock i need to sit down and for an hour look over stuff get my life in order um and just look over what's happening and what's to come um there's no real fun in that the only fun is I might get a nice little treat in the form of something that I don't usually have, like, you know, a waffle with ice cream or <laughs> something like that. Something decadent. That'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I need something. <laughs> right. There's the extrinsic factor or yeah. motivation. <laughs> I suppose I'm asking, this is the question. Do you need that to be particularly 
creative because this is the other thing that came up from um from dan pink's work and it's and it's it's worth noting which is that extrinsic motivators do work in very in certain circumstances yeah, yeah so if it's like a if it's a thing that everybody knows is boring right and it's just a job that just needs to be done right then an extrinsic motivator if there's nothing that you could do to make that process uh, more fun or enjoyable or in and of itself if there's no way that you can make that that time enjoyable then all you've got is extrinsic motivators and actually they work quite well for those kind of things yeah they most certainly do and obviously there's a part of me that goes yes i know i need to do this for myself um and just to stay on top of things is it fun no <laughs> um but you know it's it's funny that you mentioned being being a child because there's a lot that goes into that um and Obviously, I personally want to try and bring a lot of that into everything that I do creatively. But, you know, it's almost like it's not a creative task, is it? Sitting down and reviewing stuff and planning stuff. Not in that sense, anyway. It can be, take Chris's example, for instance, that's much more creative than me saying, I need to put this studio session in on, on this day. I, I, but I reckon there are some people that love that shit, though. Of course like there, there are. There are yeah, some, yeah, there are yeah, some yeah, people that just like taking <laughs> chaos, right, and turning it into order. I'm not that person. And they, I, and I they actually get, quite like that. I like right. the logistics of it. Of once you've planned the campaign, it's like, right, this is gonna, this asset's going to drop then. This is going to coincide with this single going to radio and this social yeah. media activity yeah. is going to happen then. It's all lined up. I quite like having the sort yeah. of the timeline and the different elements all lined up i actually quite enjoy it i like the logistics of it um, unless it's something to do with a a musical project um Mm. as in within a project i can't yeah i just can't find it (laughs) i have to find a way (laughs) some sort of way to go back to being a kid and obviously when i was a kid um and ever since then i've always loved ice cream for instance so (laughs) you know having an ice cream and waffles is like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I think it's, you're right. Um, it can be something that you actually love doing. Um, I've said it to many people on WhatsApp conversations that I've had with them. Um, I need a PA because um, they probably enjoy doing that. Um, and they're organizing the chaos and yeah, that is my life. And, <laughs> you know, they would love that. And that would be great. But until that point, obviously, I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to have to get some ice cream Mm -hmm. and, you know, (laughs) just sit down on a Sunday and chill. (laughs) Use the extrinsic motivators until you can afford to pay somebody that's intrinsically motivated to work with you on it. Yep, exactly. I have absolutely zero intrinsic motivation to do this task, (laughs) you know. But it's definitely something I know I need to do. And if I don't do it, then then there'll be more chaos. But yeah, shit, there's no part of me that wants to do it. I suppose sometimes the reward <laughs> is knowing that it's, uh, I'm going to have a much easier week next week because yep. I've taken this time to plan this. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, exactly. <laughs> it's like the uh, Abraham Lincoln quote of um, uh, something like, give me six hours to chop down a tree and mm-hmm. I'll spend the first four sharpening Exactly, yep, so, I love that quote. <laughs> when I actually then, cut, at least I am not having to use all the brawn and all the effort of doing it my job's going to be easier because i've taken the time to prepare mm-hmm. sure although one thing i would add to that is if you've got somebody that loves physical work 
Mm. And maybe that maybe they maybe they're a little hyperactive, or they, yeah. they've just got loads of energy in them. Some people just need to slug that tree down. Yeah, that's with true. With a blunt axe. Yeah, yeah, and, that's and, true. And, and it's like know your know yourself, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, and we, we're going to be touching on that, I think, next time from a, like an artistic perspective mm-hmm. and a branding perspective. Yeah. But it it it, it fits here too in, in the uh, in the development um, process. Is like know who you are, know where you yeah. stand. Um, don't beat yourself up because you aren't you aren't the the you don't have the intrinsic motivations that other people do. They are them for reasons. You're yeah. you for reasons. Like you do you right. Yeah, absolutely. Know you know what that is, and then and then it's like navigate how you know if you need that ice cream on the Sunday to get you through your weekly review, take the ice cream, you know. But in the long run, as Amir said, maybe think about getting somebody in to work with you so that. So that they can do they can do that job really really yeah. well, yeah. Um, so that you know if, if if there's a bunch of people in an organisation intrinsically motivated to be doing whatever it is that they're doing, like it's just going to be better, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's why you know, with, uh, as artists develop in their career, there'll become a point when they're doing everything themselves, and it's not necessarily the best use of their time because it's time away from you know writing songs or creating the the music product or planning what their set's going to be like. Um, and practicing and rehearsing um but there's a point where obviously they just need to do it and then you know they have to do the diy musician thing for a while and then there'll be a point where okay now it's time now it there's a tipping point where now it's appropriate to hire a manager who's gonna take the the logistics and the planning and the organizing a lot of that stuff off their hands so they can then focus on the creative and the actual you, you know the the actual core elements of, of being an artist and there's a tipping point where that happens and then you put people where their strengths are so generally speaking managers tend to be more organized and well there's two different types of managers really sometimes there's just the really strategic business um savvy managers who aren't necessarily about like they're sort of a ma- artist manager and there's a day-to-day manager who's mm, like yeah exactly organized. day-to-day mm-hmm. managers will be like they're getting you on the plane they're getting you to that venue they're getting you out that venue getting you to that radio station they have your day planned out in, in almost like military position. Mm. Uh, and then there'll be like a, maybe a business manager who's more the, the sort of blue sky thinking strategic. Yeah, exactly. This is how we're going to develop your careers. But as, as your uh, business grows, as your, you know, little unit that you're building for yourself grows, you can bring other people and other team members in. You put team members where mm. their strengths are. Yeah, definitely. And, and all of this and most of this, conversation that we're having around this stuff reminds me of um as something that i do with as a mentor um with my mentees if you want to call it that um is we we look at them as a business and yeah. we what we do is a what would be called a swot analysis yeah swot strengths weaknesses opportunities and threats and this kind of comes back to what Ben was saying about know thyself, know what your strengths are and keep playing to those and keep, you know, putting those first and forward in order to sell yourself or whatever it is that you're trying to do to progress. But all the time be working on your weaknesses and and know what they are. And and if if it is in this instance a weakness of yours is to organize stuff or whatever, then know that someone somewhere down the line is going to be a good idea that someone else does that for you diy it for as long as you can one of the first moves that you should make 
I guess when you feel you're like you're at a stage where it would be appropriate is to have a manager um, on yeah, board. And there's a tipping you. point. And also, I think, though, going through that DIY process, do it for as long as you can, just because you'll get a lot of great skills out of it. Yeah, of And course. then you'll learn what exactly are elements that you do need somebody else to do and which bits actually you should do and which bit which things you're going to hold on to and which bits you're not mm-hmm. and actually only by doing it you're going to re- re- go you're going to sort of through experience you're going to go those bits um i'm not good at <laughs> so i just want to caveat really- that it isn't just by doing it it's also by reviewing it and reviewing then also it exactly planning yeah the next day and then you're planning yeah because <laughs> sorry then when you're planning yeah exactly it is though because that's the thing is then when you're reviewing what went well from say you're a diy artist and you just planned a you know a, a national tour for yourself you know you plan it then you go and do it and then at the end you're going to review and go that worked that didn't work i need somebody that's better at this part of it than i am mm. so yeah absolutely it, it does all it does flow back to the uh plan do and review thank you so much for listening um if you haven't already please subscribe like tick star whatever it is that you need to do on uh, on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on or watching us on um we're we're out across a few different ones so there are different systems for each um if you want to comment do that um yeah i mean reach out send us some love and uh, and we'll send you some back Thank you.